It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. Great to be with you guys. Holiday season in full swing. A lot to get to on today's edition of the podcast. We'll preview BYU versus Weber State in basketball. And we're going to chat with a good friend of ours, Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider on the 24-7 Sports Network. Get his thoughts on National Signing Day, the early National Signing Period for BYU football. Some of the guys he thinks are going to stand out, etc. We'll get to that on today's podcast and a lot to cover in that regard. Today's show brought to you by our title sponsor, Deseret First Credit Union. Can't thank them enough for their continued support of the show. It's a blast to have them on board. Also brought to you today by our good friends at Breaking Tea, and we'll tell you about them here in just a little bit. With that rundown out of the way, let's get started. This is Locked On Cougars for December 20th, 2019. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network, and thanks again for joining us on your daily podcast covering the BYU Cougars here on Locked On Cougars. A lot to get to on today's show, but a reminder for you guys that this podcast is available everywhere podcasts are to be found. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya Podcast app, Pocket Cast. Essentially, anywhere you can download a podcast, use your podcast provider of choice, and make sure to subscribe or follow this show so you never miss an episode. Let's start things off today talking about BYU basketball. They are getting ready to take on the Weber State Wildcats in Provo tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time on BYU TV. And let's be honest about this game for BYU. They lose this game. And that it'd be a bitter disappointment. The Cougars are nine and four on the season, welcoming in the Wildcats, who are sit at four and six on the season. And the reason why I'd say it would be a bitter disappointment for BYU to lose this game because it was a bit pretty disappointing effort last year when BYU went to the D Event Center and lost there in Ogden. This year, Weber State. Not a great program so far on the season. Weber State as a team right now has exactly one, yes, you heard me, one win over a Division I opponent. Three of their four wins have come over lower division opponents this season. Their lone win over a Division I foe is an in-state game. They went to Orem and beat UVU 72-67 on December 4th. Jarek Harding, Weber State star player, had his biggest outing of the night that night in terms of scoring. 36 points in that win. They come into this game, though, and I think BYU you should be looking their chops because this is a game that's ripe for the taking. BYU's got a very light schedule over the next few weeks. They have a game tomorrow night against Weber State. They take the week off for Christmas, face Oral Roberts the net following Saturday, and then have a whole nother week off until they begin West Coast Conference play. So I would expect the BYU star players, the guys like Yoli Childs, TJ Hawes, Alex Barcelo, uh, Jake Toulson, etc. They're going to play some heavy minutes in this game because they don't have to worry about having a quick, have a, having a quick turnaround in terms of another game. They don't play for another week until the next Saturday on December 28th. So, if BYU loses this game, 
This is not the type of game you should be losing if you're the BYU Cougars. Sitting 9-4, and four, they have an opportunity here to clean up with a bunch of wins before West Coast Conference play and should roll on into WCC action on a pretty healthy win streak if they take care of business. I mentioned Jarek Harding's name. He is the star player for Weber State, a guy who can really fill it up in terms of scoring. He's averaging 20 points per game in nine games played this year at just over a tick of 27 minutes per game. Cody John is the other guy to keep an eye on if you're a BYU fan in terms of the Wildcats. He's the only other guy for Weber State averaging in double-figure scoring, just a tick under 12 points at 11.9 points per game playing almost 30 minutes per night and this is a big opportunity for BYU take care of business here pick up another win and keep rolling get to double digit wins for the season before conference play begins and I think that BYU as a basketball program right now I really like where they sit because they have an opportunity here to get ready for conference play with a bunch of wins Oral Roberts I think only has like two wins over division one opponents so these next two opponents in both Weaver State which is an in-state game so holds a little more weight and the game against Oral Roberts a week from now. The Cougars should be heavily favored in both of the games. The ESPN FPI has BYU as a 95% likelihood of winning this game against Weber State tomorrow night. So the Cougars in... in looking at it, they should be rolling in to a conference play on a six-game win streak, or begin conference play with a six-game win streak when they face off against Loyola Marymount on January 4th. So, a lot to break down. Obviously, we'll have a postcast edition of the show tomorrow night after this game goes final. Gives you some of the thoughts on the win over Weaver State as BYU wraps up in-state, uh, com- not in-state conference action, in-state play against their in-state rivals with the Weaver State Wildcats. Once again, 7 o'clock Mountain Time tip off on BYU TV. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to talk with BYU Insider, a guy who covers recruiting top to bottom, is the foremost authority when it comes to recruiting in the state of Utah, particularly for the BYU football program, and that is Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider. Always got great insight on BYU signing class, wanted to talk with him, so big conversation coming up with him over the next two segments. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, remind for you guys, the Deseret First Credit Union is our title sponsor here on Locked On Cougars. Deseret First Credit Union, they share a faith-based bond with all of their members. They're asking everybody right now, though, what is your why? What is your passion project? Do you want to travel more in 2020? A lot of us are thinking about New Year's resolutions. Would you like to read more? Would you like to travel to more sporting events, attend more sporting events? Whatever it might be, have you considered refinancing your home loan to put more money back into your pocket to fund that passion project? With a no-cost refinance from Deseret First, you can get locked into a low rate. Rates are still sitting in the threes, as low as the 3% mark. Absolutely phenomenal. You can get locked into that low rate for absolutely nothing and potentially save yourself up to hundreds of dollars a month, guys. Think of what you could do with hundreds of dollars back in your pocket, potentially. And I think... Easily, you guys can find things to spend that money on. I I think you could do that. The Deseret First Credit Union Mortgage Team wants to work with you. They'll find the right loan for your financial situation. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, you're trying to find your dream home, you've got investment properties, they'll make sure you're in the right situation for your financial situation. Hopefully, that makes sense. Call them, 801-456-7070 to visit with them, find out what they're offering, all of our listeners here on Locked On Cougars, or visit dfcu.com to apply in five minutes or less. Deseret First Credit Union, you know why, we show how. Membership and eligibility required, OAC. Terms and conditions apply, equal housing lender. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, 
including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, guys, had a chance to catch up with Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider. Really enjoyed our conversation. We talked a lot about different players in BYU's recruiting class. Jeff's overall thoughts on the BYU recruiting class. So in this first segment, this first clip that we have with him, you're going to hear a lot about the overall look at BYU's recruiting class and his thoughts on the guys who are on the offensive side of the ball that have signed with the BYU football program. So let's get to it. Here is Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider on Locked on Cougars. All right, pleased to be joined now by Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider, one of the foremost, if not the foremost authority when it comes to BYU recruiting on the internet. Jeff, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Doing all right. Appreciate taking some time to join us. Yeah, not a problem. All right, well, let's start off. I, I, I want to get your overall thought. BYU announces 13 uh, high school, junior college players signed with the program in the early signing period so far. What are your thoughts on the group as a whole to this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is the early signing period, and I think that's important to remember, right? I, I think that there we can get into the details of, you know, individual players that I liked and how, how the class what uh, you know how the class came together. But it is important, like an important preface to all of this, that this class is not done. There are still some of the most important targets left on the board for BYU uh, that they're going to recruit over the next six weeks and hopefully get to sign in in February. Um, So really right now the class is incomplete. But with that, with the portion of the class that that was announced yesterday, it's hard not to be excited. I'm one of those guys I've said for a long time, recruiting is about, who you get, not who you don't. It's, it's one of it's like a weird phenomenon with in college football that that multiple teams can be happy that you can lose out on a recruit, you can replace them with somebody else, and you can still win, right? So, so it's an interesting dynamic, and I think that uh, BYU fans and really all college football fans have a tendency to focus on the negative aspects of recruiting, but overall. I think BYU did a really nice job with the 13 that they announced yesterday. I think that they, they did a good job of looking at what they needed in the class, what holes they had on the roster for next year, and going and filling those holes. And I think that that, for a team like BYU that's not going to recruit at a top 20, top 25 level, that's the most important thing for them is how they address the roster holes the next year Anybody, I think anybody who can objectively look at the BYU roster right now would look at it and say wide receiver is a, a big problem next year and they probably need some depth in the secondary. You know, with the loss of Dan Gunwoloku next year, they went and they addressed those two needs really, really well with Cody Epps, Chris Jackson at wide receiver, and then Micah Harper, who looks like a Diane clone uh, to, to play in the defensive backfield. So, they did a really good job. The class is incomplete. It's, you know, February rolls by and they don't announce anybody else. It's a disappointing class, but there's still a lot of talent left on the board that BYU is going to go after over the next few weeks. Yeah, let's start off. Let's talk about some of these individual players. I wanted to start off with that wide receiver group. How big of a surprise and how big of a get is Cody Epps? Cody Epps is big time, man. I mean, that that is a, a really, really uh, good good get for PYU there's I mean that's that's one of the most cliche 
uh, phrases used in the recruiting season is that good get, but there's not really any other way to describe it. Uh, recruiting is kind of a flawed process if you think about it. The way that the way that it works nowadays is kids pop onto the scene as freshmen and sophomores, and that's when the relationships start to start to form with these college coaching staff. So a guy like Cody Epps, he played behind Brew McCoy at Modern Day for the you know for his sophomore and junior year. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, Brew McCoy he he was a five star wide receiver in the class of 2019. He went to USC, then to Texas, then back to USC. I mean, he was a big deal. He was one of the best players in the country. And Cody Epps just he was behind him. I mean, that's kind of the nature of playing at Modern Day. There's a ton of talent there. So Cody didn't get that opportunity to really show a ton on varsity film as a sophomore and as a junior. And so because the flawed recruiting process kind of focuses on those underclassmen, he was, uh, he was overlooked. When Brew McCoy left and Cody got the play uh, as a senior, I mean, he immediately came in and contributed at, you could make an argument, an even higher level than Brew McCoy played at at Modern Day last year. Uh, But most of these schools had already moved on. They'd already identified their targets. So, Epps kind of fell through the recruiting cracks. And so a lot of credit to BYU and their coaches for identifying Cody Epps, for going out and getting him. Uh, Coach Aaron Roderick, he was the one who extended the offer, uh, but really a, a ton of recruiting effort by Fessy Satake and by Gennaro Guilford to get Epps to Provo. They, they, were, they did a tremendous job bringing him in. Kalani sealed the deal on an official visit. Um, they did a lot of things right. I mean, it really was a great, great coup for the BYU coaching staff to get a guy like App. A lot of people wonder if BYU is going to get back into the transfer portal to get running backs. Uh, they added two high school prospects yesterday, Nukaluve Halu as well as Bruce Garrett. I uh, played an interview with uh, AJ Stewart on the podcast yesterday, and uh, he, he really likes what both of these guys bring to the table. What do you think of both of these prospects? Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a bigger fan of either one of them than, than I am. I, I've been on the, the Luve Hilu train for a really long time. Uh, Coach Drew Jones out there at Twilla High School does a great job uh, getting his guys ready to go. And, and Hilu, I, I, I have, I've known Coach Jones for a little bit, and he kind of put me on Hilu a while ago. And as I've watched him play at Twilla, it really is fascinating what he's able to do. He doesn't play with a ton of talent around him, and he is always the focal point of every defensive game plan. And he still managed to put up, I think, 11, 1,150 yards this year at Tooele High with you know, mostly underclassmen at the offensive line and, and everybody trying to stop him. He's, he looks a lot like Harvey Younga did. Now, not the Harvey Younga that played at BYU that everybody remembers, but the Harvey Younga that was at Timpview that was a little bit lighter than the Harvey was you know, during his junior year at BYU. That's who Hilu kind of reminds me of. Uh, a story that I've told a few times over this recruiting cycle uh, goes back to Coach Stewart. He, he never offers very many people right out of camp. He, he's a guy who likes to see, see these players you know, on, you know, on their high school campus, at a practice, a lot of game film before he extends a running back offer. Hilu came to a camp a couple of years ago, and, and Coach Stewart offered him right away because he was that impressed with Hilu. Uh, so he's a really good player. It sounds like he's going to play at least a year first before going on a mission. That is a change from where, where he lose thought process has been uh, throughout the recruiting cycle. So I think that's a good thing for the running back group next year. And moving over to Bruce Garrett, he, he just, he constantly produces. He's a little bit like Cody Epps in that way that his numbers 
are just eye popping out in Texas. Uh, he plays at Pleasant Grove High School in Texas. He actually plays for a state championship on Saturday in Texas. One of the most productive players in his region. He looks a lot like uh, Max Borgie does at Washington State. Okay. He he can run. He can catch. He can do. I mean, he's just a really versatile player out of the backfield. And I think he's going to do a lot of things for BYU. And I think he can make an impact next year. You mentioned the grad or the transfer portal, and I do think BYU will still look for one more grad transfer. Maybe it's Tyson Williams. Maybe the NCAA does something good for a change and allows him to come back uh, and get that medical hardship waiver. If not, I do think that that uh, BYU will bring in one more Tyson Williams-like person out of the graduate transfer portal to kind of bring him in and have some experience in that running back group. Uh, but if they don't get somebody like that, I, I think BYU is in an okay spot moving into next year. Before we switch to defense here, one offensive line signee in this class so far, and it's Isaiah Tupo out of Sacramento area there in California. The offensive line for BYU is a pretty young group, but a very talented group. Is Isaiah Tupo a guy who you think can come in and contribute right away, or is he more of a developmental guy? Uh, he, so he's going to go on a mission, so he is a couple of years away, but I do think when he gets to campus, he can play really quickly. He reminds me a lot of, of Tooney Canute. I think he carries his weight a little bit better than Tooney did. Uh, Tooney was a, an absolute road grader as a run blocker, and that's really where Isaiah's specialty is, is in the run blocking game. He, he's just a mauler. Uh, he plays with violence. He's kind of cocky, a little bit arrogant on the field. He's the <laughs> nicest kid off the field, but he's got some arrogance on the field that he's better than you, and he wants everybody to know that he's better than you. And so it's it's fun to watch him play. One thing that was really that really stands out about Isaiah is at his high school in Sacramento, they didn't have a whole ton of uh, participation on the football team. So Isaiah had to play both ways in every game. That's really really hard to do when you're 300 pounds. Yeah, he's playing on the defensive line and on the offensive line almost every snap, every game, and he did it at a high level. I think as he gets to college and he has the opportunity to, you know, ref and to really get into the minutia of playing offensive line, he's going to develop into somebody really special for BYU. And Soljay Mayava, he is the quarterback commit in this class, a kid who's originally from Laie, Hawaii, but now playing in the Washington, D.C. area. A lot of people wonder if he ultimately is a guy as a candidate to switch positions, but Kalani Satake earlier this week said, no, he is a quarterback. What do you like about him? What what kind of quarterback can we expect to see from Soljay? Yeah, you know, he looks, uh, frankly, he looks a lot like Jaron Hall. I mean, that's who I see when I watch Soljay play. I think that Soljay's probably a little bit more dynamic as a runner, and that's saying a lot because Jaron's pretty special running the football. Yeah. I think Soljay's a, a little bit more dynamic. I do think that Jaron probably has a little bit better arm strength, a little bit better uh, accuracy. But that's probably the most similar comp- comparison that I can see. They're both a little bit shorter than you'd like, and they're both just true dual threat, dynamic with the ball in their hand. Uh, you know, we, a lot of people have talked about what Soljay brings to the football field. You can see that on tape. It really does stand out. He's an Elite 11 guy. He's played at a high level at St. John's uh, out there in Washington, D.C. They were one of the top schools in the country and played, you know, the, the big juggernauts of high school football. They played modern day, they played IMG, they played a handful of Texas programs. And Soljay played well. But what I think doesn't get talked about enough is Soljay's off-the-field demeanor. He, As soon as he committed to BYU, he immediately 
uh, gravitated towards that leadership role. He started recruiting uh, for BYU. Uh, one one important nugget with Cody Epps is his relationship with Sol J Mayava. Uh, he maybe comes to BYU Epps that is without Sol J, but I don't know. And I I know that Sol J played a big role, and, and Sol J did that with a lot of different players. He was. Uh, I mean, he is a leader. People are kind of drawn to him. You could see it already with other recruits, uh, with, with even recruits who don't go to BYU, but just his friends and his, his ties with his high school program. He has that leadership off the field, you know, guy in the locker room that you want to see from your quarterback. And I think, I don't think that gets talked enough when, when, when people talk about Soldier Mayaba. He's going to be a leader. And, and I do think he's in a good position at BYU where he can come in. He can learn from guys like Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney for a couple of years before he, you know, is really going to be thrust into action. Uh, Soljay Sol kind of recruiting was a little bit unfair to him where he just he, he picked up a Michigan offer in eighth grade. I was and, mention and I think that, that just yeah. put a ton of pressure. Yeah, it puts a ton of pressure on a guy to have somebody like Michigan come after you when you are, I mean, how old are you in eighth grade? 14 and say, hey, you're a guy that we think could come and lead us at the big house. I mean, that's, that's really tough to carry with you throughout the rest of your high school career. So I think that coming in and having some upperclassmen to learn from is going to allow Sol J to kind of take a deep breath and just learn to love football again. And I'm really excited to see what he does in the future. There you go, Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider. Check them out on the 24-7 Sports Network. We'll have more with him here in just a moment. A lot of thoughts on the BYU defensive players who signed in this recruiting class, as well as some of the returning players in the return missionary group that BYU announced earlier this week. So we'll get to all of that here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, reminder for you guys, if you're looking for a last-minute gift, of course, it's December 20th, so we're just a couple days away. If you're looking for that last-minute gift for a sports fan in your family, check out BreakingT.com. Go to BreakingT.com slash locked on. They make sports t shirts around teams' passionate moments. Think of things like Mitch Matthews, his catch against Nebraska to win that game. The 1980 Holiday Bowl, we had the uh, anniversary of that yesterday with Clay Brown hauling in Jim McMahon's Hail Mary to win that game. They have great moments for all fans. Go to BreakingT.com slash locked on. Then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Once again, go to BreakingT.com slash locked on. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, guys, continuing on here with Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider. Always a pleasure to have him on the podcast. I'm, I'm actually wondering if this might be the first time we've had him on the podcast. Regardless, great conversation. We're going to talk about BYU defensive players now for a moment, as well as some of the guys in the returning missionary class, the nine guys who are returning to the BYU football program, either as gray shirts or as return missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So here you go, Jeff Hansen, more with him from Cougar Sports Insider. All right, let's talk defense for a minute here with the other side of the ball for BYU. A guy that I love seeing, I saw him in person a couple of times this year, and his film stood out to me all the time. Of course, he's got a brother on the team, but it's Josh Wilson from Corner Canyon High School. I feel like he's a guy that a lot of people look at his offer list and they only really see BYU as his lone offer, but I feel like if he would have kept his options open, he probably would have added a number of offers. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I think so. I, I think that, uh, that that Josh is really, really talented. Frankly, I think if Josh, he's about six foot, like six feet even right now, maybe six one. If he was six three, uh, whether he's committed to BYU or not, he picks up a dozen offers. So he's kind of a guy that, because he's a little bit shorter than the prototypical, you know, NFL type linebacker, he gets punished a little bit for that. But that doesn't take away from his pure football ability. Uh, his sideline to sideline speed really improved as a senior. His playmaking ability was great, uh, and he's a lot like Zach in the in the sense that he's just a, a football buff. That he is smart. He's constantly in the right spot. He diagnoses plays really well. Uh, he's got a really really bright future ahead of him. Uh, Blair Angulo, part of our our twenty four seven Sports Network, uh, I mean, when he talks about Josh Wilson, I think he he puts it really well that he says that, hey, look, ratings are based on NFL potential, and unfortunately that kind of punishes Josh a little bit. I think he's a, uh, a mid-three-star, if I remember off the top of my head. His, his composite rating is something of like an 83, somewhere in that range, which is that mid, the you know, high mid-three-star. Yeah. And uh, if you look at just college production and you, you take away the, you know, the, the NFL potential from the rating system, uh, Josh Wilson is much, much better than that, you know, low mid three star. He he has all of the ability and all of the talent that is required to be a very, very productive college linebacker. And I, I'm with you, Jake. I, I'm really excited to see him at the next level. I think he can do some really nice things. Other guys on this defense, I look at it, and the defensive line, they signed uh, three guys they list as defensive linemen, Tui Pelotulai. I hope I pronounced that right. Is, did I pronounce his last name correctly? Yeah. Okay, and then Alex Muti as well as Josh Larson, a local product. I worry that BYU is still searching for a true difference maker on the edge of their defensive line. I know they've gotten to more of that three-man front, but are they, are they hoping that one of these guys can finally break out and be that true edge rusher that Kalani Satake seemingly has been searching for since he showed up in Provo? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're. I think that's an accurate assessment. I do. I do think that Mucci. I, I don't think it's going to happen next year. But he's got the frame that he's going to be able to put on some weight, and I think he ends up uh, being that edge rusher. But he's he's a couple of years away. I think he's like a, I don't know what he's listed at. He looks, uh, you know, 210, 215 pounds. But wherever he's listed, I think he's really realistically in that range somewhere. So he does need to work on that body, but his frame is big. And he's got a motor on him. So I think in a couple of years, he is a guy who can fit that role. Um, as far as just overall defensive linemen, I, like I say, Jake, I think you're right. Uh, they need an edge rusher. But I am really high on, on Tui Pelotu Lai. Um, I, I talked about it in a couple of articles, and this really applies for Muti as well. Um, BYU's place you know, in the Hawaii football landscape is known. Everybody knows about Lavelle Edwards, yeah. the Hawaiian Polynesian Pipeline in the 80s. Everybody knows what BYU did for football in Hawaii. And at this point, you know, BYU's almost did themselves a disservice by letting the secret out, you know, that everybody is recruiting Hawaii now. Uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, I mean, everybody is in Hawaii now. But for the most part, all those blue college football blue bloods, they're, recru- they're recruiting Oahu. They're recruiting in the Honolulu area, schools like Miliani, St. Louis, Kahuku. They, they aren't recruiting the other Hawaiian islands. So when people say they're recruiting Hawaii, they're recruiting, they're recruiting Honolulu. BYU went to the island of Maui and the island of Hawaii to find Muti and Tuipalotulai. So these are guys that in 2019 really truly fell under the radar for you know, whatever reason, guys that didn't have the ability to go to a ton of camps. Uh, 
and they didn't live in a spot where there's college football, you know, college coaches frequently stopping at their campus. So BYU had to go and they really dug deep to find these guys. And I think that, uh, I think both of them are really good. And I think that both of them are going to be a little bit of that old, you know, BYU Hawaii connection type feel where BYU went into the islands and they found somebody who's going to be a difference maker and they found them, you know, under the nose of everybody. And here in a couple of years, the, you know, the question is going to be, how did, you know, how did BYU get these guys? How did, how did Ohio State miss them when they were in Hawaii? And that's why, because I think that, you know, most of these schools are recruiting Oahu and BYU spent a little bit more time this cycle on some of the other Hawaiian islands finding guys who, you know, who weren't right there within a 45-minute drive of each other. A big credit to Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki. Uh, for really, you know, not leaving any stone left unturned out there in Hawaii this year. Hey, I, I agree with you in that regard. If you're going to find an advantage, yeah, go to the other islands and see what you can mine out of those two. I know that you, you like you mentioned, the the population center is on Oahu, but there are other kids on the other islands, so go chase them. All right, I wanted to ask you one guy here that you mentioned in, in the open of this interview. Micah Harper, Chandler, Arizona product, Basha High School down there. And I'm with you. When I watch his film, I feel like this is a kid that looks like Diane Gonwoloku coming out of Northridge High School. What what was the story behind BYU discovering him and how they ultimately landed his signature? Yeah, BYU found him. They were on him over the summer, uh, and they found him, I think, just in the spring, excuse me, the spring evaluation period. And they, you know, they went and they saw him. They saw him in some practices, fell in love, fell in off, or, and offered him on the spot. And they just kept in contact. At the time, Harper had some, he was being recruited by Syracuse. He's being recruited by uh, San Diego State at the time. And there were a handful of bigger schools that I don't think they officially offered, but they were kind of hovering around throughout the summer. Uh, so me personally, I'd kind of written Harper off because I assumed he was going to get, you know, bigger looks, bigger schools, and he was going to be on his way. But he consistently kept in contact with me, even though I had kind of mentally written him off. And he kept telling me that, hey, I love what I'm hearing from BYU. I love what I'm hearing from BYU. And they were always in the picture, no matter what else was happening with Harper. Um, A lot of credit goes to Coach Guilford and Coach Hadley, because they did keep, no matter who else was coming coming in and stopping at Basha High School, they kept consistent communication with Micah Harper. As the season progressed, uh, you know, other schools, for whatever reason, they kind of moved on. And BYU was still there, and then it kind of became clear in my head that hey, I think you know BYU's got a shot here, and, and and Micah was consistent the entire time that he just loved what he was hearing from BYU. Um, it took him a little bit longer than I thought it would uh, to get out on an official visit. Um, he initially talked about coming during the season in September, that got pushed back for whatever reason, and ultimately he didn't come on an official until uh, last weekend before the early signing period. And that official visit was really the last thing that he needed to kind of confirm in his mind really what he had been telling me all along, that BYU was a place that he could play. He, he, it sounded like he thought BYU was a place that he wanted to be at really throughout the cycle. Um, and once he got on campus and saw Provo firsthand, he, uh, you know, he jumped at that opportunity and committed really quickly. Um, he is a, he's a really good player. He, there's so many similarities to Diane. He, I mean, he looks like Diane. He plays like Diane. He's versatile. He can play, you know, safety and uh, can play corner, can play nickel. But even down to the, you know, the measurements and the, uh, you know, track times and things like that, uh, they're really, really similar. Diane was an 11, I think he was an 11-200 guy here in Utah. 
when he was at Northridge and, and uh, Micah's an 11 flat guy down in Arizona. They're both 5'11". They both weighed about 180 pounds coming out of high school. I mean, the, the, the similarities, there's just a ton of them. And I think that that is the, the most accurate projection for where Micah Harper goes is exactly what Diane Gonwoloku did during his time at BYU. Awesome stuff, Jeff. Before we go, I wanted to ask you, they're also at, they also announced nine returners, uh, guys coming off mission, some of that gray-shirted, like a Caleb Christensen out of Skyview High School. They'll be joining the program in January. Any of the guys on that list of the nine returning players stand out to you as guys you're excited to see in a BYU uniform? Yeah, the two guys, I mean, it really is easy for me. The two guys I want to see the most are Tyler Batty and Bentley Hanshaw. Uh, we talked about the need for that edge rusher. Batty fills that need. Uh, the the real benefit with Batty and why I'm more excited even than I probably normally would be for a guy like him coming off a mission is he's been home for a while. He's getting in shape. Uh, he was pushed forward to January, uh, you know, just to manage scholarships for this year. He was going to either be a red shirt guy or a gray shirt guy. So why not save the scholarship and, and make him a gray shirt guy? But he'll join the program in January. He's got a. He's already been working off that mission rust, and he's still got another full year to work out with the team. So he's going to be able to hit, you know, fall camp, and uh, he won't look like that return missionary. He's going to look like he's a football player who's in shape. I expect him to be given the opportunity to contribute right away, and I think he'll live up to that. And then Bentley Hanshaw is. I think he's got the potential to be a really special tight end. Um, he needs a little bit of help still, I think, in the blocking game um, with his hand in the dirt and some of that inline stuff that, that BYU asks their tight ends to do. Uh, he, he, that is probably the weak spot of his game. But when it comes to his ability to make plays in the passing game, he's special. And I think that he could, uh, you know, right now rival the impact Matt Bushman has in the passing game. That's how crisp he is as a route runner. That's how soft his hands are. I really like what Bentley Hanshaw brings to the table. And as he shakes off that mission rust and continues to improve in the blocking game, I think he's going to be uh, one of the bigger weapons at the tight end spa for BYU over the next few years. Awesome stuff. Jeff, I wanted to just give a plug for everybody. Check out Cougar Sports Insider. I think you guys do a great job over there. I know you've got a great crew of guys who write. I know you, in terms of the recruiting, you're unequaled in your access and your insight on this. I can't thank you enough for joining me. Not a problem, Jake, anytime. There you go, Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider. I would encourage you guys, if you guys do like recruiting and covering BYU recruiting, Cougar Sports Insider is the foremost authority when it comes to covering BYU sports and recruiting. Jeff and his staff do an incredible job, so I'd encourage you guys, check out the 24-7 Sports Network and Cougar Sports Insider. Consider subscribing. They do a great job covering BYU. Thanks again to Jeff Hansen for joining us on today's podcast. Before we go, though, let you guys catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports news. Only really one thing to mention, and that's BYU women's basketball finished up play in the Maui Jim Maui Classic at the Lahaina Civic Center in Lahaina, Hawaii last night. Tough night shooting the ball for BYU. Get blown out by Oregon State 65-34. to So a tough night shooting the ball for the Cougars there at the Lahaina Civic Center. But a solid uh, showing in the Maui Jim Maui invitation with a blowout win over San Jose State before losing to Oregon State. So now Jeff Judkins and his team return to Provo and they'll get ready for West Coast Conference play coming up here in a couple of weeks. So a lot to cover as we go forward in this holiday season. Hopefully you guys enjoy your weekend. I hope you guys are having time with family. It's 
Christmas is Wednesday next week. Probably won't have a full week's worth of shows, but we will have shows on Monday and Tuesday for sure, gearing up for the SoFi Hawaii Bowl. You'll hear from guys like Devin Kafusi and hopefully some comments from Kalani Sitake as well, getting ready for that game. And of course, we'll recap the game as well. But enjoy the holiday season. Hope you guys are having fun with your family and friends. This podcast is here for you guys to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room when you're talking with your family and friends. So encourage them to listen to this podcast as well or don't and keep it to yourself. But I hope you guys would share it with your family and friends. Please subscribe to the show on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Locked On Cougars. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob C. Hatch. And also, you can always drop the show a note by e- via emailing us at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Once again, a big thanks to Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider for joining us today. We'll do more conversations with him and other people. If there are, are players, coaches, media members you, you guys would like to hear from on this podcast, let me know. I normally can wrangle them up and get them on the show. At least I would hope so. They seem to be most of mostly friendly and willing and able to do that. So let me know who you have to, who you would like to hear from. The show a little bit longer than normal today, but it was worth it to have Jeff Hansen on the show to get his thoughts on BYU's recruiting class. We will talk to you guys tomorrow with a special postcast edition after BYU and Weber State wrap up and obviously getting ready for the Hawaii Bowl beginning early next week on Monday morning. We'll talk to you then. This has been Locked On Cougars for December 20th, 2019. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day